Current temperatures 29 degrees Celsius. The relative humidity 80%. That's all the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your guest presenter today is Philip Wong. Good morning, Philip. Morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're discussing the popularity of tutorial schools after one operator, Brilliant Education, shut down all of its five branches at the weekend, affecting hundreds of families and staff members. Some parents who were reportedly asked to prepay for their children's classes have been seeking help from the Education Bureau and customs officials have launched an investigation. The development follows the closure of dozens of educational institutions over the past three years, owing to a drop in student numbers. After 9.50, we'll look into the tragic incident involving an extreme sports enthusiast from France who fell to his death from a building in mid-levels. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. Joining us now on the line, we have uh, Mervyn Cheung, Chairman of the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Group, and Leung Siu Tong, Honorary Chairman of the Hong Kong Aided School Heads Association. Um, good morning to you both. Perhaps uh, Mervyn Cheung, we can come to yeah. you first. Good morning. So can I just ask you, first of all, um, what's your reaction to the closure of this uh, tutorial school operator? Well, I think um, the, um, the kind of um, um, professional um, conduct of, of the operator, this a lot to be decided. And uh, by, by the look of things, it is obviously a, a cheating case. Um, and and the communist closure came as a as a total shock to to the parents who who have uh, spent lots of money to buy the uh, uh, services because um, it's reported that staff had frequently um, contacted the, the parents concerned it even a few days uh, uh, before its closure and offered uh, a big discount in hopes that they would buy more classes and uh, and also lessen packages. And, well, it's obvious that it's a large piece of efforts for the company to cheat a big sum of money uh, from uh, from the customers. It is uh, only a few days before the incident uh, happened, they, uh, these people, that is the staff of the center, uh, of the tutoring group, must be well aware that uh, the group would be would be uh, closed down in in in, uh, in just a few days' time. So I think uh, this is a, a very bad incident. But uh, it, it, uh, uh, incidents of a similar nature did happen repeatedly before. So uh, there's a lot uh, uh, that to be done by the authorities to prevent these things uh, from happening again. Because uh, in the end, it would be um, in the in, uh, well. It's a quick loss to the parents financially and to to their children educationally. So, is there enough uh, support uh, for uh, consumers, uh, for parents, in situations like this? Um, um, anything that parents can do to protect themselves? Now, many of them have expressed their. Uh, the disappointment, the anger um, uh, through the media, and at the same time they said that they did not 
uh, understand very well uh, how to get their money back. And uh, now, now that they, they have formed themselves into a WhatsApp group, and they uh, they now said, you know, join the efforts um, and took and took the case to the relevant authorities, such as uh, um, the customs, um, the education bureau, and also the consumer council, in hopes of uh, getting back the money and uh, and you know uh, for for better arrangement of the uh, of the of the education for the children. Mr. Chung, uh, good morning. I'm just wondering, in your experience, do you think the parents um, that are affected by this, do you think they'll actually get their money back? Well, uh, normally very difficult mm. because uh, the company obviously has made all the, the arrangements to protect its interests. And, uh, and already, it's said that uh, it's been in financial woes for, for quite some time already, only... Um, to, to, to the negligence of, of the parents. So, uh, uh, you know, given the situation, um, it would it would be rather difficult for, for parents to get their, their money back in full. But, uh, but anyway, despite that, I, I think the, um, the, the authorities should still uh, try the best to, to help the parents and at the same time to, um, to inflict very heavy uh, penalties on, uh, on, on, on the group. Uh, which uh, which has sought to cheat the parents through this uh, illegal means. Um, Lung Siu Tong, good morning to you. Yes. So you're honorary chairman of the Hong Kong Aided School Heads Association. What's yes. your assessment of the, the value of these uh, tutorial schools for children's education? Uh, uh, I think that for the tutorial clause... Uh, uh, is very common in Hong Kong. Yeah. And actually, I do think that it is quite important for those uh, students that their parents are unable to help them to learn. So so there are so many tutorial schools in, in Hong Kong. And I do think that uh, uh, not just uh, getting this kind of the tutorial classes, but all the children, they in that kind of tutorial schools, they can meet friends, they can exchange a lot of ideas about the learning method, about tips from the exam tips from the uh, tutors. And moreover, I do think that they can have a lot of one-to-one uh, um, -one or one-to-small group uh, 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 we call the exchange the ideas together because you know that in Hong Kong we have 20 something in a class and then uh, especially uh, the language we can't have enough time for the student to speak uh, out in the class so we need all these kinds of tutorial class to help them to improve their English or improve their Chinese as well uh, or other languages. So these are quite important to those um, uh, who are the learning pace, who are not quite uh, adept to the teaching methodologies uh, methodologies of the school. Uh, Mr. Lang, so you, you mentioned it's a, you think it's an important part in uh, Hong Kong. Are you surprised then to see you know these tutorial centers closing? Yeah. 
Uh, and if, if you're surprised, I mean, like, I guess, is it because of, do you think it's because of COVID or because there's a different mode of learning in terms of going online, for example? Yeah. I, I do think that uh, uh, in this case, uh, uh, the most difficult for those who are running these kind of tutorial schools is the COVID-19. And then uh, the rank is still very high. And then so they really have a difficulty in running this kind of tutorial schools. Thank you. And what about Mr. Chang? What, what do you think about the tutorial schools in Hong Kong? Do you think it's important here? Um, in, I think in recent years, yes, uh, yes, uh, this kind of uh, private tuition has become um, increasingly popular among students and especially among um, their, their parents. But I hold a slightly di- uh, different view on, on its importance. And, well, in, in these years, because of the keen competition among schools in both uh, primary and secondary schools, uh, school, um, school leaderships are very keen uh, to do a lot of uh, remedial help for the uh, for the students, and at the same time, uh, a lot of uh, beefing up to work uh, is being done for those who are who excel themselves in uh, in, in academic studies. Uh, in the end, they hope that um, the, the schools will become popular, and then they they can be you know away from the uh, from the from the difficulties in recruiting sufficient number of students to fill the seats so um the the kind of support services given to um children in schools um in fact uh, uh, is getting quite uh, various and at the same time sufficient so um if and only if parents do not have time to take care of the children at home, um, any additional private tuition does not seem to be uh, essential. So, uh, and especially uh, when one looks at the um, the risk of being t- uh, treated dishonestly, like in in in, in this case. Um, I don't think uh, parents should be too keen to send the children to tutorial schools. And of course, as, as, as I just mentioned, unless they have difficulties at home, such as uh, the kind of uh, 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 living environment uh, is bad at home, and at the same time, parents are, are both uh, out for, you know, for, for daily work, and then they, they could not afford any time to take care of children at home. Then that's a, that my very special consideration. Uh, Mr. Chung, and so for for me, it seems like a lot of the tutorial centers in Hong Kong put a lot of stress on the on students. And I think if you look at 20, 30 years back, tutorial centers were very, very popular. Um, do you think parents now, they, they are more cons- concerned about, you know, their children's uh, stress level? And is that why they might not consider going into these tutorial centers? Yeah, I think uh, the, the kind of stresses faced by uh, students uh, indeed are, 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 you know, are, are rising uh, because of uh, the, the kind of competition to, um, in among schools and at the same time among the students. They have various hurdles to to, uh, to pass through, such as uh, uh, getting uh, themselves to be uh, landed at uh, reputable schools in uh, uh, in Form One or in Primary One or even in kindergarten. So um, maybe all these things, uh, when, when acted together, would contribute, uh, would uh, you know, take parents 
in this stage that where they they are quite keen to get the the children to do uh, better and better. So without the best, but always be. Uh, prepared to do better in in, in the studies, mm. um, Mr. Leung. I mean, there is also an argument, isn't there, that uh, uh, private tutorial schools uh, they benefit uh, parents and families with the means who can afford. Uh, they have the money to send the the children uh, to these schools, uh, so th- so they will excel and succeed uh, more so than uh, other families who p- perhaps can't afford it. So, what do you think about that argument? Uh, I, I do think that uh, the parents need this kind of support because uh, uh, actually uh, in the upper levels, most of the parents, they can't help them. And also, uh, so uh, though uh, in this uh, few years time, the po- overall the population of the students is sodden, but uh, on the whole, the, the students, the parents probably hope that the, they can go into the, the best universities in Hong Kong or in uh, overseas. So they will try to support all the effort to help this, the, the kids so that they can get the better result in the examination. So. Uh, I do think that tutorial schools are are very uh, important for them. And Mr. Lung, do you, do, you, do you also think, though, that it can cause some additional stress to students? And if so, you know, what can tutorial centers do to mit- mitigate that? I, I do think that, uh, of course, uh, uh, we can expect the students, they can uh, try to think some more areas that they can attend the university, not only mm. the Hong Kong or overseas, or they can think uh, maybe in the mainland China is also one of the ways they, they can go to the university as well. And of course, they have to uh, try their best to uh, to settle all their, uh, I think, the physical and um, and all these kind of things so that they can uh, help them uh, to get a balanced uh, uh, school life. Um, Mervyn Chung, um, what yes. sort of age do you think uh, is appropriate for uh, students to be um, attending tutorial schools? I mean, obviously, uh, young young kids go to kindergarten and then uh, and then and then primary school. Um, so, w- w- what do you think? What is what is the most beneficial age for children to attend tutorial schools? And 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 um, you know, is there perhaps uh, too much pressure on some of them uh, to do so? Yes, I think uh, at the moment it's really uh, it's really that there's rising pressure on 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 the uh, children. Um, you know, under under the parents' uh, uh, very very um, obvious arrangements of uh, arranging them to go to tutorial schools. Now, if they they are to attend to a private tuition centers. Um, that should be when they are at the stage of uh, the senior secondary, um, because they need to uh, face up to <clears throat> to the test of the uh, uh, DSE examination, and that will determine their 
their chance of going into a public university in Hong Kong. So by then, the competition is, is really uh, fierce. But now in Hong Kong, we can see that uh, parents still send their children to tutorial schools uh, at the early primary uh, stage. Uh, that would be too early because in, 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 in those years, children should be able to enjoy a free, uh, open, and, and also, um, I think, uh, the kind of life that is really in, in, in their liking, instead of uh, constraining them to all, kind, all kinds of uh, study pressure. Uh, so, for instance, uh, for, for the summer vacation, as uh, uh, in, uh, uh, in July and, and August, uh, we often find children, uh, very young children, being packed with uh, a lot of learning activities that spread throughout the, the summer vacation. I think it's really too much. Okay, I've uh, got a here um, email from a listener. Mike says, uh, "I think the concern is that, uh, sorry, I think the concern is the fraudulent behaviour of some individuals running schools that take uh, money and don't provide service. That is the concern. This discussion has turned into a, an advertisement for those remaining schools." Well, I think the idea is we're examining uh, you know, the, the value or otherwise of uh, the tutorial school sector uh, in general, um, trying to look at it from uh, different angles. Um, Philip? Well, if you ask me, I think, uh, well, first of all, you know, a lot of tutorial centres, I think a lot of the, the owners do take advantage of the climate in, in Hong Kong in respect of education, because education to parents it's very, very important for the children. And so I think it's an Asian thing, probably, <laughs> where they have to take their children to all kinds of different tutorial schools, play groups, you know, you, you name it. There is some truth to what Mike is saying, I believe, in that some, some, some owners are doing, are, are, are doing, taking advantage of it. I mean, what do, what do you think, uh, Mr. Chung? Do you agree with my assessment? Yes, um... Yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, in favor of uh, sending kids to t tutorial schools at a very early stage of, of their schooling because it's too much of, you know, pressure to them. And now if they are, they are pushed too much for, for this kind of uh, uh, non-formal non curriculum teaching and learning, um, if the pressure ha has grown to uh, substantially to a point where they, they get in the sake of uh, doing further study, then that would be to the active disadvantage of, of our children. So um, I hope that parents might, might uh, in, in the hope of uh, getting, of offering the best to the, to the children, do consider whether or not the children are really suitable for this kind of uh, stressful learning. Mm. And Mr. Leung, you, you know, you, you mentioned that it's important, and I agree for the, especially for the upper secondary students, you know, taking DSE exams mm -hmm. or, you know, going for the university. But, you know, mm -hmm. shifting to the younger audience, younger children, mm -hmm. what do you think about that? Actually, uh, I, I do think that the parents, they, uh, some of them, actually, why then? Why do they want to go to that kind of tutorial schools as a, in the early childhood? Because they want to get into uh, some very popular, uh, famous, prestigious primary schools. 
So they want to get into that kind of schools. They need a lot of training before they can get into that kind of schools, mm. because uh, all the uh, all that kind of all those schools they need a very markets. They, they need a very uh, a kids that can know a lot of things, and so they have to do a lot of the modeling uh, exam or modeling. Uh, um, we call the module test assessment before they can get in a place in that those kind of the schools. So the parents need this kind of support. Mm. So, uh, so it is very hard for us to to um, to say whether it should be or it should not be to do so because actually some of the schools those I have mentioned they expect the students know a lot of things so so it is very hard for them if they can do uh if they can uh, uh prepare for this thing they can't get into that those kind of schools is that a healthy situation i mean there, there are different uh, attitudes aren't there different approaches to education i mean i'm thinking about like other parts of the world uh uh, you know, some sort of countries in Western Europe, uh, primary school kids uh, don't get any homework, that sort of thing. They're, you know, they're 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 encouraged uh, to play more 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 than to learn. I mean, a different emphasis, isn't it? I mean, is mm. what what we what we have here is this a is this a healthy situation in Hong Kong? But uh, I think in the real situation in Hong Kong. Uh, it is very hard for us to compare with the Western countries because uh, in the mindset of the Hong Kong parents, they will just focus on certain amounts of schools that they want to get into. So uh, actually, for me, as an aide primary head, uh, we, we, we said it, we, we said that actually all the schools in Hong Kong are uh, in the right track. They work, they uh, run in a very, uh, uh, we call it the professional way. way. But but the, the parents, they, they don't believe that. They just want to get into a certain amount of schools that they expect that that's, those schools are there, uh, are there other schools that they want to get to into. Mm-hmm. That's the, the reasons. It is very hard for us to compare with the Western country and the uh, Hong Kong situation. In, in some respect, Mr. Lan, I think I think you're right. There is a high demand for parents wanting their children to go into prestigious primary school yeah. and even kindergartens. Uh, I see a lot of children who has yeah. a portfolio of certificates and mountains of it. If you compare it to my mind, it's like yeah. just one page. And, and nowadays they have 10 pages full of certificates. Um, Mr. Chung, what, what do you think about this uh Situation. I mean, it is. I think you know, we, like Mr. Leung said, we can't really compare to the rest of the world. I mean, we are driven by what parents want here. But I mean, is it really that healthy for for children? Uh, I think uh, it's, it's not healthy to most of the children who are arranged to do this kind of learning uh, because it's really to, you know, it's something like a high pressure cooking. 
uh, with students uh, all crammed into in, in, in the same space uh, for for this kind of very highly competitive and and also um, personalized learning. Um, I think uh, in 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 childhood, um, students should be given the chance to really express themselves and and do. Um, more uh, healthy learning and participate in healthy activities, which do not involve uh, the kind of formal learning um, as they do uh, in, in ordinary school life. Uh, in these days, I find that even preschool students attend tutorial centers, which are um, teaching them uh, in, uh, English-speaking skills, uh, uh, almost everything in English, Oh, would that be too early to do so? You know, for kids uh, who are you know, below the uh, the age of six, because uh, once they step into primary one, they have a plenty of chances in the years ahead to do uh, this kind of learning. So why should that be the advance to um, to to the uh, to the uh, p- uh, kindergarten days, or even before that, uh, like uh, in, in 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 baby groups? So I'm not all for 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 this kind of uh, learning arrangement, and I hope that the the, the potentials of children could be more fully um, uh, explored uh, in 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 the in the school days instead of getting them to, you know uh, almost crammed it uh, around the clock to, for for better and better learning. Okay. All right. Well, uh, stay with us. Uh, We've got to take a short break for a news summary and a couple of announcements. Uh, uh, A quick look uh, at the weather. Sunny periods today, few showers, isolated thunderstorms and hot again. Top temperature around 32 degrees, light to moderate, east to southeasterly winds. The outlook, very hot with sunny periods in the next couple of days. There'll also be a few more showers. It's currently 29 degrees, humidity 80%. New summary with Barry O'Rourke. An executive at property firm Colliers is calling for staged land premiums should the government decide to pre-sell industrial and IT plots in the northern metropolis. Yesterday, Development Chief Bernadette Lynn said officials were checking whether the bidding process could be started before site completion was completed. But Hannah Jiong, the head of valuation and advisory services at Colliers Hong Kong, said plot bidders would still have to pay the full land premium should they win the tender, and this would affect the internal rate of return. Fans from all over the world have said their goodbyes to singer Coco Lee, who is being laid to rest this morning. Hundreds of fans gathered outside the Hong Kong funeral home in North Point yesterday afternoon to bid farewell to their idol. And all 15 judges on Israel's Supreme Court are to take part in a hearing next month on the first law passed in the government's overhaul of the judiciary. It'll be the first time in Israel's history that an extended bench will sit. And we'll have more news on the hour from RTHK. In the past year, our current term government team have been result-oriented. We have led Hong Kong to break new ground and open a new chapter. We strive to enhance governance, work pragmatically and unite different sectors, enabling Hong Kong to ride out the pandemic, resume normalcy and shine again on the international stage. We implement patriots administering Hong Kong, enhance interactions between the executive and the legislature, improve district administration and jointly maintain social harmony and stability. We pursue economic growth, find new land and create strong impetus for development. We tell the world good stories of Hong Kong and spare no effort in attracting enterprises and talent. 
who care about livelihoods and earnestly address issues like housing, environment and transportation. We nurture our youth. Hong Kong will proactively integrate into national development, consolidate its position as an international city and make steady strides towards a brighter future. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. And welcome back to Backchat with Philip Wong and me, Jim Gould. And this morning, uh, we're talking about the popularity of the uh, tutorial school uh, sector. Uh, that's after one operator, Brilliant Education, uh, closed down all of its five uh, branches uh, at the weekend which affected uh, a great many uh, families and staff members. We have uh, on the line with us uh, Mervyn Cheung, Chairman of the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Group, and Leung Siu Tong, Honorary Chairman of the Hong Kong Aided School Heads Association. And uh, also now joining us uh, on the line, uh, we have Gerard Postiglioni, who's Emeritus Professor and Honorary Professor at the Faculty of Education at the University of Hong Kong, and also author of the Handbook of Education policy. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning, all. Good morning. Jared Postiglioni, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, um, I know you've undertaken a, a study of this uh, tutorial uh, school operations and policies in various uh, parts of uh, our region, including here, including in the mainland and other parts of Asia. Um, uh, of course, we did see quite a clampdown in the mainland going back a couple of years. Um, what about this argument that, you know, the schools benefit wealthy families, but, uh, but those who can't afford it uh, are going to lose out? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. And it's good to uh, hear, uh, I was going to say see, now, uh, Mervyn and, uh, and Leung Si Tong. Mm. Um, uh, so I... Look, uh, just a clarification uh, first. Uh, I think you're uh, referring to another colleague of mine who's done extensive research specifically on tutorial schools. Mm. Uh, my research on education policy covers it peripherally, but uh, I still appreciate uh, being engaged with you this morning and maybe, ha maybe have something uh, of value to say. I'm sure you so, do. Uh, so, so look, uh, this is an important issue, obviously, and and you know, Mervyn and Learn, uh, you know, dedicated to the uh, education of Hong Kong mm -hmm. students. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we we have to we have to look at this issue of brilliant, and uh, why, uh, you know, what happened, what are the causes, and and we don't really know uh, fully mm -hmm. yet. Uh, it's taken too much time to know, and uh, we. Can can start to eliminate uh, certain causes. Now, you mentioned the mainland. Uh, as you as you know, the mainland has a band of tutorial schools, uh, but the but uh, you know Hong Kong is unique as the only place in China, really. Uh, I guess I guess you can add Macau and Taiwan that that still has tutorial schools. But the mainland situation is different. There's a, a different view toward privatization, specifically the fact that those companies in the mainland are much, much larger than the ones in Hong Kong for tutorial 
uh, schools. In fact, they're listed on the stock markets. Uh, you don't get that here. The other thing is there, there's a demographic issue, too. Parents spend a tremendous amount of money on uh, tutorial schools in China. But, uh, you know, uh, in some ways, it's better for the country as a whole. At least this is the view to spend less money on tutorial schools and to have another child. Uh, now, now, this is another issue, very different than Hong Kong. So I don't think we, we, we really can tie the brilliant case uh, to, the, to the mainland uh, policy. Uh, Hong Kong is a separate system, it has separate laws, and there's a consumer council, for example, that, that looks at tutorial schools in certain cases. Uh, the government tries to stay out of private business, as you know, because we have that kind of a semi-laissez-faire economy mm -hmm. and so on. Of course, the government decides when to get involved. For example, the CUHK Council case, uh, that's, you know, they, they get involved deeply, but sometimes they don't. Like in this case of Brilliant, we're still waiting to find out what's going on uh, with, uh, is it financial or otherwise. But it might be, uh, you know, in terms of speculating, uh, the, the, my, my policy handbook, which is really an international, uh, has an international focus, has many countries' cases, we focused a lot on the COVID issue. Now, you know, one wonders whether or not uh, some of the parents, some of the families have found out that they had to learn, they had to get more involved with online services. Many of them are freer or cheaper than uh, what, the, uh, what the tutorial schools are offering. So there's a bit of competition there. Possibly, and I'm just speculating because we don't really know, maybe some uh, they've lost some of their uh, clientele, some of their customers, uh, because uh, students can work in groups online now. There's all sorts of sophistication going on. The other, as, the other aspect, and, and Mervyn mentioned this, I think, uh, you know, there is this aspect of COVID. You know, um, students, um, the, you know students have... Psycholo there have been some psychological issues. Uh, Professor Paul Yip at HKU noted the depression amongst young people. I don't know if that had a problem. Maybe some families feel it's too much to, to, to have uh, you know, some maybe they've dropped out. Uh, we don't know. So we have to wait on that. Uh, finally, your, your, your question um, is a question which is covered in, in the global literature on tutorial schools. It's a very straightforward issue. And, and this is the other point. It, Hong Kong and, and the mainland and East Asia are not the only parts of the world where tutorial schools have caught on in a big way. Uh, a, a colleague of mine who's, who's not in Hong Kong right now who, who, who would have been better uh, to talk about this, um, it's, it's, uh, it's an issue uh, in many, many countries, particularly developing countries. The new middle class are trying to give their children a step up. And uh, there is definitely an edge of the middle class who can pay for the better uh, tutorial schools to give their students a leg up on admission to either universities in Hong Kong or overseas. Of course, the universities in the mainland are becoming more popular because of the policies which open up access to the top 100 schools based on the DSE exam. Uh, so uh, the, the, the schools uh, are competing, the tutorial schools. One thing they don't compete on is, is, for example, offering a few, a handful of scholarships 
to some of the poorer students. I mean, that would help their branding, but, I, but we don't see they do that. Uh, the, the final thing is about the courses that are offered. Most of the courses that are offered are for native Chinese speakers. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, because it's easy for people to mix up brilliant education with brilliant integrated education. Brilliant integrated education is a tutorial school which focuses only on uh, Nepalese, Pakistanis, Filipinos, yes. other South Asians, and tries to give them a leg up. Now, they, they exist very much on donations. It's a different sort it's, of it, an operation. It's, a, it's an NGO. Yes, mm. and I don't want to be doing an advert yeah. for them, and yeah. I don't know them very well either, so I'm not going to be making more than... The, the, the main point is this is a way to, um, you know, to consider your question about uh, whether there's equity, whether it, 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 uh, uh, it shifts the, the, the uh, advantages more in favor of, of those that have funds. So it's a very complex issue, and uh, I'm glad that uh, RTHK3 has brought this up, and, and you have, you have uh, Mervyn and, and Chitong there, so uh, it it's elevates the issue, and hopefully we'll find out what the bottom line is with this particular case, and whether it's going to catch on to other schools. We don't know other tutorial schools. Uh, whether it's a trend or... Uh, thank you very much. No, thank you, Professor. That was very insightful. I really, really enjoyed your uh, analysis. One of the things that I mentioned uh, earlier uh, before you joined, I'm just wondering if it's, if it's because, you know, tutorial schools are indeed a stressful place to be. I'm only using this based on my own experience. Um, <laughs> it was, for me, uh, uh, stressful. I'm not sure if parents... Now, nowadays, I'm more aware of, you know, having a positive learning environment, you know, these key uh, buzzwords as in, as in like um, um, other ways of, of learning. Do you think that's one of the reasons why, you know, maybe perhaps these tutorial centers are closing down? Well, you know, it's a good question. And I, I really have to defer to people like uh, Mervyn and Mr. Learn because they're, they're much more, more closer to the ground on the issues of student stress uh, in the schools. Uh, you mentioned your, your case. Uh, I, in, my, in my day, we, we didn't really ha we had to, we had sort of books, uh, extra books you could buy to, to beat the exams, but we didn't really have a, a systematic uh, tutorial system. So uh, they might be in a better position to, to answer well, that. Yeah, um, Leung Su Tong, in your experience, yeah. are you concerned? Do you find that uh, some uh, some of your students, um, uh, the, uh, like you say, yours is a primary school, do you find some of your students uh, come into class maybe a bit too tired? Maybe they haven't had enough sleep because they've been attending mm -hmm. uh, tutor tutorial <laughs> classes? I, I do think that, uh, in fact, some of the students, they can um, uh, manage very well uh, about their daily life. So uh, sometimes they, of course, it is very hard for them to focus on the learning during the daytime. But uh, during the tutorial classes, they, they have to face one teachers and maybe a small group. And then I, I do think that they can pay more attention on the teachers and the learning as well. Uh, so this is one of the cases that so we, we call the tutorial schools is uh, important for them. I guess at the end of the day, you know, we have to have a good balance <laughs> with everything and tutorial yeah. schools, you know, it's here to stay. Um, it's going to be an important part of many Hong Kong children's uh, lives. M Mr. Cheung, wh what do you think 
constitutes you know a good balance you know in terms of going to tutorial schools is it just going every day going for five hours a day what what, what is it well i think uh, if uh, parents do want their children to go to tutorial centers uh, maybe the, the frequency of uh, going to those uh, le- uh, study places can, can be reduced. Instead of going there every day, maybe you know three days, uh, three days a week, plus uh, one of the days on either Saturday or uh, I think at uh, most Saturday, Sunday should should all be free for 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 children. I think that we don't want to ruin the interest, the general interest in 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 learning. If they are given too much teaching and too much class time to exclusion of their extracurricular hours, uh, that would do them in uh, more more harm than good. So, so, all right, all right. Let's just ask uh, uh, Gerard Postiglione then. Um, um, hope you can stay with us for another couple of minutes. So, um, in terms of the type of uh, tutoring that's available, um, is it sort of important? Do you think? Uh, for gifted students and also indeed for students who need uh, remedial education uh, to have these types of tutoring opportunities available or or is it kind of in a way like a failure of the mainstream education system that they're not able to have that in the schools that they attend? (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is definitely a popular view amongst uh, those who work in schools of education and universities around the world. Uh, and uh, and uh, the, the general situation is that schools should be doing all of these things for sure. These are the services that schools should be providing. However, Hong Kong is a free economy. Uh, families have the right to, to choose or uh, to uh, subscribe to the tutorial schools, uh, and the tutorial schools are, uh, are permitted to establish themselves as businesses. And so um, the answer is, is somewhere in between. I mean, obviously, uh, schools, there are certain things that schools do that maybe uh, they should do that fall through the cracks due to some kinds of changes, reforms, and, and they, they can't always do everything. Uh, the, the, the most important factor is that parents do anything they can to, to get their children, uh, to give their children a leg up to university. And they don't always know. They don't always know if the tutorial schools are even effective or, or, or not over time uh, and, and how they affect the student uh, uh, generally, psychologically, emotionally, intellectually, cognitively. But uh, there, is that, there is that sense to help your child in any way you can. So um, that's, uh, you can understand the perspective of parents, obviously. And in our economy, uh, this this is clearly, and there is a cultural dimension that was mentioned earlier. I was trying to say that it's it's not only in, in East Asia, but in other countries as well. But the, it, it's much stronger here. Um, Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well. Th- well. Thanks very much for uh, giving us your insights there. That was Jared uh, 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 Postiglione, emeritus professor and honorary professor at the Faculty of Education at the University of Hong Kong. Thanks very much to Leung Siu Tong, honorary chairman of the Hong Kong Aided School Heads Association, and thanks to Mervyn Cheung, chairman of the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Group. <laughs> 95 years of public service broadcasting.
Stay tuned with Hong Kong. 안녕하세요. Hi everyone. I'm Sumi Jo. As a soprano, I always enjoy sharing music with audience all over the world. Happy birthday to RTHK. 생일 축하합니다. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. And for the last uh, 10 minutes or so of this morning's programme, we're going to be uh, talking about the uh, sport of uh, parkour. Um, now, uh, this follows a, a very tragic incident um, uh, when a, an extreme sports enthusiast uh, from France uh, uh, fell to his death uh, from a building in mid-levels. Um, we should uh, say straight away that uh, uh, extreme sports and parkour are not necessarily uh, the same thing. Um, because we're joined uh, on the line by uh, Lao Chuk Yin, who's a coach with the Hong Kong Parkour Association. Good morning to you. Yeah, good morning. So parkour, obviously, it, it, for, for any of our listeners who, who are, are not aware, um, that involves a, a movement around um, urban settings and, and um, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of athleticism. It looks uh, it looks very exciting. Um, but it happens close to the ground, doesn't it? It's not something that you do sort of uh, in uh, in sort of potentially dangerous situations up in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Like parkour, in like most of the time they were practicing, they were just doing on somewhere on the floor, somewhere safe, somewhere on the ground. So um, it's actually down to like personal choice. Of course, some people like to seek the adrenaline. Uh, on sensation and they choose to do it in somewhere more dangerous or more extreme but like parkour doesn't necessarily have to be done on like high places or, or dangerous places yeah mr la i mean i guess parkour is becoming a very very popular activity you know if it's not because of my age i, I guess i would be doing it right now as well um but i mean in, in parkour you do see in youtube that you know especially you know um on YouTube, you see people doing parkour in high-rise uh, settings. I mean, those yeah. situations is something that we should seriously consider not to do. Is that is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say like, um, yeah, you can see a lot of people jumping over roofs and, and stuff in the videos. And I think it's very important for the practitioner himself or herself to like um, really consider and calculate all the risk that. Uh, he chooses where to do it, and he should be aware of that. He should take full responsibility uh, of what the consequences of of, of the things that he is doing, right? Uh, his choice about his choice. So, so as an association, what kind of uh, advice do you give to uh, enthusiasts? Um, I would say, like, it's, it's it's very simple. Like, just be responsible for yourself, mm. the others, and the environment. Okay, because mm. parkour can be a sport like that. It's using interacting with the environment and people. There will be others that using the, that use the environment as well, and also you have to take full responsibility for your own decision and consequences when practicing parkour. So you gotta stay cautious, stay sharp, and you have to calculate the. I'd always say the risk and reward ratio. Yeah. Do, do you run into any uh, legal problems? Any legal consequences? Uh, 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 like, uh, do you sort of always practice parkour in, in sort of a public areas, public property, or, or or is there a problem with people, you know, sort of going into a, pr a private areas sometimes? Um, I'll tell you, we just go to the public areas, and mm. uh, I personally, I've never been in any like legal situations where we got sued or anything. Yeah. Uh, do you think? I mean, I see a lot of children doing doing parkour 
um, without any, I guess, training, would you suggest people to do some training first, like follow like a, a course or, or something like that? Yeah, um, parkour is a little bit like special. We don't like, especially in Hong Kong, we don't have a very like structured course or association you have to go under. Um, like for myself, I, I actually learned my learn parkour by teaching myself on from YouTube and other stuff. Um, so I'd say like the advice is yes, you can start parkour by yourself, but you have to take it step by step, and you take it seriously with good progressions, and just don't rush yourself because rushing it's always like. I would say like 99% of the time because you rush something and accident that you don't want happens. So you have to really know where your place, know where, where your ability is and try to take it one at a time and progress slowly. Mm. Uh, and what's the appeal? What's the attraction? Is it like the, you know, the, the, the thrill of the movement or completing a move? Uh, think, yeah, um, actually completing a move is like what makes me like the most happiest moment in my life like i'm not like myself is not like seeking adrenaline i don't really like the feeling of like my adrenaline rushing into my body but like parkour sometimes come with that i don't like it but the most like happiest feeling is just um you're training on something hard and you can do it and you made it and you land the track and you finish the challenge that you set by yourself and that's like makes me really thrilled about the parkour itself and you earlier mentioned you, you, parkour can be done on the ground most of the time. Um, yeah. But there, and then there are a lot of obstacles to, to challenge yourself with as well. Is there anything mm-hmm. that one needs to do in terms of precaution, such as, you know, check your route first and, and see what are pot- the potential dangers? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, there are a few things you can check. Like, of course, the, is the uh, obstacle slippery. That's really important because like, it's where you're going to land on and whether it's stable or not. And also when you're running into the line, are there like potential like people were walking by or suddenly turn and cross into your line and like that cause potential like crashing into the pedestrian or something. That's all the things that you have to consider and uh, about the environment and the people in it. So, so clearly uh, safety is a big uh, consideration. I mean, uh, did you use any safety equipment while training? Uh, no, not not really. Like, we just have to be cautious ourselves. <laughs> well, we seldom use like um, glove and, and and elbow pads and something else. Yeah, we just do like just use our body. That's part of because of the um, origin of parkour, but that's another story. Yeah. What's the, well, what's the story? We've got time if you don't mind. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, um, because it starts like. The parkour, the original form of parkour, is people um, referencing the way some native um, people in Africa, or I, I forgot the place, like how they move. It's called a natural method, mm-hmm. and they emphasize like using only your body to be able to train it to make yourself physically stronger, and only use your body to traverse um, within the environment and do different kind of um, movement. So it's kind of like come into parkour. As part of a spirit, it's, we just try to use our body and train ourselves to be stronger, so that we don't have, we don't need any like extra um, equipment to keep us safe. So yeah, I, I I read in a lot of forums and news that Jackie Chan actually popularized uh, the sport. Is there any truth in that? I mean, uh, back in back in the day, you know, you see a lot of action movies with Jackie Chan, and he does a lot of those stunts and parkour movements. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll say it's. I could say that could be a part of it, but I'm not sure because, like, 
it starts with in France, where we're, we're, we're a David Bell called the parkour and popularize it. And well, like similarly, Jackie Chan does pretty similar stunts, right? In the mm-hmm. in the in the movies. So um, I'll say it did help a little bit. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't deny it. Like the, the movies are definitely a, a hit back in the days in in the Western, even the Western country. So um, yeah, I, I I think that will be a. A little help in popularizing the park, the, the sport of parkour into the whole world, and people get, ooh, get a get a get a mm-hmm. eye-catching film or eye-catching clips of it. Mm. Like mm. like um, Philip says, I mean, it's, it's probably going to appeal more to younger people. But what, what kind of physical attributes do you need in order to do it? Um, I'll say coordination, um, basic like um, physical strength flexibility agility mm-hmm. like a parkour is kind of like a comprehensive um, comprehensive sport that you need power but you also need to know um, how to use your body flexibly and it's only for the young like although how I say it, it sounds like it's only for the young people but indeed like we have kids and even elderly attending classes all around the world not only in Hong Kong like in other places they're like um, silver classes for like silvers so um wow. yeah it, it can be it you don't it doesn't have to be a teenager sport or, or mm-hmm. a young people's sport like yeah it can be for everyone oh that's great actually so mr lao if i do want to start uh, parkour mm-hmm. <laughs> what yeah. how would you uh advise me you know what would what would i need to do first um i'll say the, the two ways okay if you're really interested and you're um able to guide yourself so you can just go to youtube you i search on like beginner tutorials there are a load of them that cover the skills that you need to learn step by step or in the other way you can just take on the classes here in hong kong we, we, we got a few classes that happening um, um every week so for the beginners to join and to learn parkour in a more structured guided and progressive way to make it like savor and um, more easily to get kids to parkour. Otherwise, this can be a little bit like, like I don't know where to start kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Is the Hong Kong environment particularly uh, good for parkour? I mean, I, I guess you need lots of kind of railings and walls and things like that to, to jump mm-hmm. over. Yeah, I, I guess like um, it's, it's actually pretty good like in terms of the hardware where the obstacles and environment, like you can just... You, you can just explore in your neighborhood and find oh there's some hidden places and which is good for parkour but like to the normal people like mm, what is this place I, I don't know what it's used for but for the parkour people that will be think oh it's a really good place to practice okay that's the hardware part but like the software part um sometimes people will still have some um bias when they see you doing parkour and they may seem to um think it's dangerous and they try to kick you out of the place but yeah but um, we try to work on that to make sure people know that parkour can be not dangerous. It actually depends on how you set your goals when you're practicing. Are you doing something you cannot or are you doing something that is well calculated and considered? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Very interesting. Uh, uh, thanks a lot for explaining that to, to us. That was uh, uh, Lao Chuk Yin, who's a coach yep. with the Hong Kong Parkour Association. Um, thanks uh, to our listeners. Uh, thanks to our guest uh, presenter today, Philip Wong.
You're welcome. Thank you. And uh, thanks to our producer, uh, Raphael, and sound man, James. Um, Stay with us because uh, in a moment uh, we've got a news summary coming up, followed by a brunch with Noreen.